Okay, we've looked at the rights of the firstborn and now we're going to start looking at our inheritance. And the scripture that I've chosen for this is very familiar. It's at the end of the parable uh, of the prodigal son. Son, everything I have is yours. Our inheritance is to become one with Christ and with the Father. John 10.30 This is one in character and purpose, not in the sense of our becoming God, but that we increasingly love what he loves and hate what he hates, that we rightly discern and judge situations, circumstances and people, having the mind that was in Christ. Philippians 2.5-12 In that parable, the parable of the prodigal son, the father tells the elder brother this, Son, everything I have is yours. In Luke twenty two twenty nine, Jesus says to the disciples who have stayed with him through his trials, I confer upon you a kingdom. When we received the Son, we were born into the family of God. When we were born into the family of God, we were given a birthright, and that birthright is our inheritance. Our inheritance is participation with Jesus in his unseen sovereignty over the world. Our inheritance is to reign and rule with him. Everything that came to Jesus is ours. He is our inheritance and we are his. But it's all from the position of being in Christ. And our behaviour can affect our ability to inherit. There is a vast difference between being in Christ and being in the Lord. When you see the latter, it always relates to behaviour. Coming into our inheritance is incremental, not automatic. We start out as babes and we grow into manhood. We learn increasingly to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And the unrighteous shall not inherit. Jesus has qualified me to inherit, but I must recognise the inestimable value of my inheritance and not esteem it lightly or trade it for something else, lest I lose the former forever. Inheritance is different from salvation. You cannot lose that, but you can lose or forfeit your inheritance. We have to make every effort to make our calling and election sure. This is not threatening loss of salvation, but loss of reward, and thus loss of our measure of rule, first over ourselves, then over the nations. Whether we like it or not, there are caveats. Those who persistently live unrighteous lifestyles will preclude themselves from entering the kingdom and its blessings, because it is impossible for them to reign and rule over a kingdom where he is not first king in their own lives. Some of our inheritance we can come into now. Righteousness, peace and joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering and self-control. By practice of these we also obtain a measure of rule over ourselves, then over situations, circumstances and eventually nations. Our ungoverned desires, however, must come under his rule. 
and his rule is the law of love. If you love me, you will. Inheritance has to do with birthright and kingdom, the reign and rule of God in our hearts and lives. It has to do with perfect submission to him. To the extent that we're submitted is the extent to which he is really Lord. God does not force or coerce us to, to obey, neither does he offer inducements. He simply says, follow me. And the rest is our choice. Our inheritance can be lost, traded or taken away. As we said before, in Christ is positional. That's where God has placed you, in his Son. In the Lord is behavioural. Ephesians 1.1 shows us in Christ. Ephesians 2.21 shows us in the Lord. And Jesus himself says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you do not do the things I tell you? We will see the difference and the importance, the vital importance of these two scriptures. And the kingdom has one law the royal law of love. Do as you would be done by. God places us with Christ in heavenly places. Ephesians shows us that and grants us an inheritance with him. Everything he has is ours. That is the promise. This inheritance can be lost, traded or taken away. It's made sure and certain by our life choices. It's a fact that we are seated with him in the heavenly places. It's a fact, but it isn't always the reality. And it must become a reality. So we need to start taking our training for reigning seriously. Beloved, we only get one shot at this thing. Our time here on earth is our training ground. Our inheritance is now and not yet. There are things we can inherit in this life to fit us for the life to come. God plans for eternity and his plan is a companion who is fit for his son. He created the world and placed man on it for his purposes and his alone. He is the creator we are the created. We must get that in the right order. He wants to restore the creator-created relationship. Genesis, in the beginning God, he created. And in the culmination of his eternal plan, we see Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. His eternal plan is to dwell with his people. Everything he does and is to everything he does is to this one end, a people for himself. That is God's eternal plan. It is not that you might go to heaven when you die. He has a plan that far surpasses that. And our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. 
He is purposeful and intentional in his dealings with us. He works to a blueprint. His. The earth was made for man and man was made for God. And the Bible begins and ends with a wedding. Adam and Eve in the beginning and the bridegroom and the bride at the end. Union. Union with himself is God's intention. John 17. That they may be one as we are one. This is the goal of our sanctification and our inheritance, that we should be like him and reign and rule with him for eternity. So God's divine goal is union, that we should be his people, one with him and worship him forever. Revelation 21, 1-5 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. We are variously likened to a body or a bride. These terms are figurative to describe our relationship with him. Union, intimacy, cohesion. A man and a wife become one. Our body is one unit, moving in unison. John 17 and Jesus' high priestly prayer asks that we may be one as they are one. John 17, 20 to 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world doesn't know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Laid out here is God's eternal plan that we may be one with him and inherit what Jesus inherited. All things. For man to live with God he must become like him. This is where our training comes in. 
Inheritance is about reigning and ruling, not just in this life, but in the life to come. And the first thing we must reign and rule over is ourselves. If we cannot rule our own passions, we cannot rule anything else. So our inheritance is to be his bride, union, and to take up reigning and ruling with him for eternity. Our lives here are both the training and the proving ground. And our inheritance is kept in heaven for us. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. As we've said, coming into our inheritance is not automatic. God issues test commands. And the first we see in the garden. Do not eat of this tree or you will surely die. This command was designed to test Adam's free will. And it did. He made the wrong choice. Our growth is now governed by our response when we see or hear a test command. Sometimes the Lord will ask us to do something. Sometimes he issues a command. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Non-negotiable applies to us all. Love one another. Paul gives the Corinthians some basic precepts by which they should now live as children of the light. These are not optional. Adherence to them will bring them into the kingdom and ultimately their destiny, which is to reign and rule. Their training and proving ground is here and now, just as ours is, just as it was in the garden. So here we see an instruction. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 to 11, in the New International Version. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there's nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you, among you means you've been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Here we see an example of behaviour that will preclude inheritance. And then he goes on to list those who cannot inherit the kingdom. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God.
In Galatians 5, he does the same thing. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. But he lists different things. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. And he adds in idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord and jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. In, the, in other words, if I haven't included it, it's in there somewhere. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, clearly, by our behaviour, which is acts of the flesh, though we have this inheritance, we will not necessarily come into it for the reasons that have just been stated. Persistence in sexual immorality and idolatry, etc. These are persistent behaviours. I do want to um, underline that. These are not just a slip-up, an odd Oh dear, I wish I hadn't done that. These are persistent refusals to change, to repent. So by then we can forfeit our inheritance. That behaviour will cause you to forfeit it. And as I said, it's not talking about a once or twice slip. God has child-proofed this thing and it's idiot-proof too. This is utter persistence in going on the wrong road and an absolute refusal to live a righteous life, which indicates a lack of surrender to God and a lack of his kingdom being in operation in your life. So Colossians 2, 5 and 6 starts off, As you have received Jesus Christ, so walk in him, in the Lord. Here it is behavioural. We receive the gift of Jesus and then we walk in him. Two things, receiving and walking. Receiving places us in heavenly places in Christ. Walking is our behaviour, our lifestyle. In Christ is positional, in the Lord is behavioural. And training to come into our inheritance is incremental and he's given us all the equipment we need. 2 Peter 1, 3-11 His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He does not ask us to do something that he has not given us the tools to enable us to do it. And if you read on in 2 Peter 3, verses 3, in 2 Peter 1, 3 to 11, you will see, he says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
but whoever doesn't have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. The inheritance is given, we have but to receive it, but we can disqualify ourselves from receiving it. We can trade it, we can have it taken away, or by default, we can lose it. We can trade it like Edward, Duke of Windsor, when he put Wallace Simpson above his inheritance. He had been trained for the throne, but he despised it and threw it away. When he later wanted to come back, he was refused. We can trade it like Esau, who despised his birthright and traded it for an urgent physical need. He was hungry and he traded his inheritance for a mess of pottage. We can do that very easily. This is how a lot of leaders get into sexual sin. They just trade their inheritance. And when Esau wanted his inheritance, he couldn't get it back, even though he sought it with tears. It was gone for good. We can have it taken away because we don't recognise. Recognise what it is. Therefore, what you have will be taken from you. Matthew twenty-one forty-three. The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and will be given to a nation producing the fruit of it. Jesus talking to the nation of Israel. He came to them, but they did not recognise his day and his visitation. Okay, he said, I'll give it to someone else. And that someone else is us. We are expected to produce the fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. Don't let us repeat history and have it taken away from us because we don't produce. We can lose it by procrastination disobedience or rebellion like Saul like the elder brother brother we can serve God but if we serve with the wrong heart attitude and if we are long-term intractable we endanger our personal inheritance I'm not talking about a five-minute lapse I'm talking about 20 25 years where you persistently refuse to do what God is asking you We endanger it, you see, because he is not Lord in that area of our lives and we are not truly his servants. So we can squander it like the prodigal son. But here the father received him back to himself because he knew the impatience and foolishness of his short-sighted child. It's sometimes possible to regain our inheritance, but not always. Esau sought it with tears but didn't get it back. Saul sought it, but he didn't get it back either. Adam lost it, Jesus restores it. And these examples are all here for us that we might learn. And Reuben, as we saw before, lost it. Uh, and the first, the birthright, went to the tribe of Judah from Reuben. Otherwise, Jesus would have come from the tribe of Reuben. Again, it was a sexual appetite. He couldn't control himself. God wants us to come into everything. He just wants us to come into our inheritance. 
but we are the ones that govern whether we get everything he wants to give us. It's in your hands, beloved, whether you come into everything he wants to give you. He is a giver. Make no mistake about it. He will meet you the, so, the second that you make the slightest step towards him because he's ever waiting for you to return to him. He runs towards you like the prodigal's father. So inheritance is about a heart attitude and motives. Motives are extremely important to God. David, a man after God's own heart, is slipped up badly with regard to his own passionate nature. But in his heart, he always held God close. He was always for God. He never fought him. He loved God. And he was restored. Inheritance then is a serious business and we need to give it the honour it deserves. Don't despise your calling, no matter how menial you may consider it. Your despising of it may affect your eternal rewards and your right to reign and rule, because God, God looks on your heart. If you are grumbling and complaining about the position in which you find yourself, an inheritance is something we're trained to come into, just as our royal family are trained throughout their lives to take the throne. And it's what the whole New Testament speaks of, bringing us into the likeness of Jesus, making us a fit companion for him. It's not primarily about gifting or service. It's not about the head but the heart. Not about knowledge but love. It's about the nature of Jesus being formed in us, that we might learn to love with a new kind of love, to be fit to rule and reign with him, righteously for eternity. And to the extent which we've learned this love here and now will govern the amount of territory we're given to reign and rule over. His kingdom is the kingdom where love is the royal law. Welcome to the kingdom. God bless you.